The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And they were coming down the mountain. He ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I've been thinking a lot about mountaintop experiences. People talk about these life-changing moments, some literally while climbing mountains or in nature, moments of childbirth, getting the ideal job, qualifying for the Olympics, graduations, or just some profound revelation. They are these moments that change our lives. I feel as though it's really easy to compare my mountaintop experiences to other people's. And at times I feel bitter, especially in a pandemic, when I feel like I'm being robbed of moments that should be some of the best of my life. I'm paying my dues, checking off all the boxes, doing all the things, and yet my mountaintop experiences seem to be out of grasp which has made me think. Maybe I just need to look at the mountain from a different angle. And when we do that, a whole new world opens up. Did you know that some of the world's largest mountains are actually underwater? They are called seamounts. And measured from base to peak, they are the wonders of the deep. Their peaks crowned by reefs, teeming with sea creatures, and these seamounts are a force that disrupts the water's current flow. The flow is moving, hits the seamounts, goes up, forms a giant donut vortex that comes back down, drops plankton and other sea creatures down the mountainside, and feeds the many creatures on the side of the mountain. It's formed just like their land-based cousins. The underwater mountains are formed by volcanic and tectonic activity. There are over 10,000 seamounts in just the Pacific. And maybe, because it's wintertime, I'm thinking about icebergs. As they float in the blue water with just a fraction of their mass visible from above, the true beauty of these ice giants are below. 90% of icebergs are hidden underneath the water's surface. Seamounts, icebergs, 
Vicar Elizabeth, what does any of this have to do with us? Well, if there are different types of mountains in nature, how many types of mountains are in our own lives? You see, it's not just the 10% that breaks through the Earth's surface that we should name and recognize the importance of, although those are the happy ones to recall. It's not just the towering peaks that we should be sharing that we've climbed, but what about the 90% that's below the surface? The dark depths that nobody talks about? The underwater, underground, underneath seamounts that we are climbing every day and no one sees? These moments occur all around us every day. And they may not seem like formative things, may not seem like mountaintop experiences we're going to tweet about, but they are what make up the mountain. And we need to name them, name the hard stuff, name the injustices, name the oppression, name the shared humanity we all have, because that is how we will experience transfiguration. That is how we experience transformation. We don't just make it up the mountaintop unchanged. That's why today's gospel is so important. Transfiguration matters. It's not just a convenient event to mark the Sunday between Epiphany and Lent. It's not just a crazy, wondrous, bizarre story that occurs to Jesus on a mountaintop. We need transfiguration. This story is not just about Jesus' revelation of his glory, but a recognition of the deep human need for transformation, change, conver conversion, makeover, metamorphosis. The transfiguration is a turning point. Smack dab in the middle of the Gospel of Mark, where we will all soon turn and walk down the mountain, down into the wilderness through the journey of Lent, and continue our journey to the cross. Transfiguration means change. And change is difficult. Real change, transformative change, godly change is difficult. We think we welcome change, but when it actually happens, we adopt stances of resistance and rejection, even disbelief, or convince ourselves that the change can wait, that the time is not right, that the problems that will ensue are not worth the result of living into the consequences of that change, which is essentially what Peter does. He says, it is good for us to be here. Let us pitch tents and stay right here. I think Peter's issue is the realization that if Jesus changes, then Peter will be changed as well. And that's a terrifying thought. And maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he just wants to pitch some tents and hunker down, and maybe we also want to do just what Peter does and stay the same. 
But then God kind of yells at Peter and says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. See, he can't stay on this mountaintop with you. He's got to walk down into the depths and the messiness of life, walk the path to the cross. Down, says preacher David Lowe's, quote, down into the mundane nature of everyday life down into the nitty-gritty details of misunderstanding, squabbling, disbelieving disciples, down into the religious and political quarrels of the day, down into the jealousies and rivalries, both petty and gigantic, that color our relationships, down into the poverty and pain that are part and parcel of our life in this world, down. Jesus came down. End quote. And if Peter is to listen to Jesus, God's son, then he must walk down with Jesus to go where he goes, side by side, leaning into transformation. And if we are to listen to Jesus, then we must walk down to side by side, leaning into transformation to realize our own transfiguration. We walk with Jesus transformed the difficulties of humanity, sharing with us the suffering and pain, hardship and effort, even walks with us through the valley of death. This story also tells us of Jesus's brilliance, of his clothes on that mountain that became amazingly bright, brighter than any person could bleach something. Jesus reveals he has access to power from God. Jesus wraps us up in his garments of light, light as we journey to the mountaintop and back down. And the Apostle Paul imagines, sort of, in today's passage from 2 Corinthians, he says, God has shown into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in clay pots. So it's clear that this awesome power belongs to God and doesn't come from us, but God wraps us in God's sustaining power. We may experience all kinds of trouble, but we won't be crushed. We may be confused, but we won't be depressed. We may be harassed, but we won't be abandoned. We may be knocked down, but we won't be knocked out. Even if our bodies are wasting away, Paul says, deep within we are being renewed. Deep within we are growing more glorious. Deep within, we are being held safe and transfigured by God. Even in the valley, Christ's presence and power are available to give God's people the courage and strength to do what we need to do, which is to follow him. Transfiguration means a new way of seeing the world, taking a look at the sea mounts underneath it all, and make up the mountaintops. And so I'd like to leave you with excerpts from Amanda Gorman's poem, The Hill We Climb, 
which she recited on January 6th at the inauguration of Biden-Harris. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and notions of what just is isn't always justice. And yet the dawn is ours. Before we knew it, somehow we do it. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together victorious. If we are to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. This is the promise to Glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare. How could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. As we experience Transfiguration Sunday, and we journey down the mountaintop into the wilderness, into the journey of Lent, we are reminded that the light is always there walking with us as we move forward side by side with Jesus. For there is always light. Thanks be to God. Amen.